1: This is The Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex
2: Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Past, Present, Future, we explore the intersection of real estate and how Miami has prepared itself to become the city of tomorrow. We are thrilled to have as our guest, Michael Fay, the Managing Director of Global Real Estate Advisor, Avison Young's Miami office, Chairman of their US Capital Markets Executive Committee, as well as the Global Director for their Asset Resolution Team Affinity Group. Over the last 13 years, he has assisted hundreds of financial institutions, lenders, and special servicers with their Rio and note sales. Michael also has extensive banking knowledge, having been a past founder and directory of a local community bank, and has been involved in the selling of bank assets and notes dating back to the resolution trust days he was also a co-contractor in the disposition of over 600 of the u.s marshal services southern district of florida drug seizure assets over a five-year period and has extensive cre sales experience within the federal and civil courts michael welcome to the show welcome
3: thanks alex thanks jamie this is going to be a lot of fun and i really appreciate it for the time this afternoon and uh, look forward to all the fun conversations we're going to have believe me Miami has got an unbelievable past and an unbelievable future coming up. So uh, thanks for having me on the show.
2: Terrific. So tell us a bit about your background and how you got into these businesses.
3: Uh, Simple matter, I started liking real estate when I was 13 years old. Uh, uh, One of the ladies close by to our home ended up getting a real estate license and she made a $30,000 commission. And I said, if that lady can do it, I can certainly do it. And I also started having a love for the stock market, 10th grade. So now uh, over 37 years now in this business, I started at 20. Uh, here I am after owning a lot of deals, continuing a lot of deals and uh, selling a lot of deals and being a part of Avis Young. It's been a great experience and a lot of fun.
1: So uh, tell us, our, uh, uh, our listeners, about Avis Young.
3: So Avison Young is a global commercial real estate firm. It's uh, founded up in Canada. We have 150 offices around the globe uh with over almost 6,000 people in our organization uh i sit on the executive committee for the capital markets uh group here uh, for the u.s and we basically turn around and we sell assets and advise clients across all different product types uh as well as uh large institutional groups as well as private clients and a lot of other groups Uh, we also have a team here in florida that we work specifically in florida that's where i'm based in miami but uh, we do transactions all over the country.
2: Now, you owned and ran a bank at one point. Is that correct? What was that like?
3: Uh, that, that, that was years ago. Uh, when I was about 34 years old, I ended up knowing a, uh, three other partners, and they've all become and still are dear friends. Uh, they wanted to start a bank, and they uh, kind of basically took uh, people in each specific area of expertise, and they knew I was a real estate expert at that point, And they brought me in, and uh, we helped raise... Money we raised over ten million dollars and we put this bank together and it was uh, it was a lot of fun over the years. Uh, you know, it, growing a bank, we grew to three branches and then we sold out uh, in two thousand seven. Thank you, Lord. Uh, that was great. good
2: timing. Good timing. Good,
3: good timing. But uh, also, you know, a lot of banks during that time did get taken over. So the bank we sold to literally got taken over years later. Uh, but owning a bank really at that time was very interesting because it was all about the post uh, 9-11 know your customer all of the uh what i would say all you know the regulatory standpoint that you have to go through and all of the inspections and understanding your uh depositors and where they're getting their money so and where they're spending their money is really important so during the time all the regulators were always in on that it was funny i told the regulators after you know we were always under you know uh, uh being uh looked at like every bank was at that point and i said listen we have a bigger real estate problem than we do a regulatory problem on know your customer and uh, they looked at me like i was kind of crazy and all of a sudden three years later on you know we have the largest you know banking crisis that we've ever experienced so you know it's funny how those times times come and but Listen. Whenever there's uh, you know disruption and and issues, it creates huge opportunities. So I always used to say, when it's good for uh, when it's good for uh, me, it's good for all of us. But when it's bad, it's really good for me. So you know, we've had those times, good and bad, where we have a lot of fun.
2: Well, speaking of good and bad, um, you were involved in the drug asset forfeiture plan, uh, where you were helping to dispose of all these assets. Tell us how that started and how that ballooned into 600 properties or what something like that
3: uh, yeah so uh, I started my real estate firm back in 1989 and uh, during that time we were handling uh, foreclosures for different banks and life insurance companies and I said well you know it'd be nice to get in the governmental business and it turned out to be a really great situation so I went out and started working really quickly with the. US Marshall Service because it was one of the uh, Department of Justice's uh, departments that had uh, a lot of assets. Uh, my biggest problem was my dad's a federal judge. And my dad, you know, there was a nepotism issue. And I kept explaining my dad's on uh, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which is right below the Supreme Court. And this is the Southern District of Florida. And there are no conflicts. Long story short, they they cleared me and I started working with them. And I had uh, you had to take every asset they gave to you. It didn't matter what they gave to you. And so some of my first assets were really crack houses and some really bad <laughs> neighborhoods here around Miami. And I was like, boy, oh, boy, you know, this was really a great deal to do. Now I'm, I'm in and I've, I've asked for it and I've got it. But uh, as the time went on, I started getting some other really interesting uh, apartment buildings and some office buildings. And I was like, OK, this is more of my style. But they also threw in a couple of uh, major, you know, two million, three million dollar residential homes on the water because you know these, a lot of drug dealers were, had these really nice mansions. So here I am, a commercial real estate guy, selling off some of these homes, and uh, I created some really good uh, uh, good relationships there. But the funnier part was about six months into this, I get a call from the head US Marshal, he says, Mike, I'm really sorry to do this to you. He goes, we've canceled all other service providers and, uh, and the infinite wisdom of the government, they've got a brand new firm out of Oakland, California, that's gonna handle everything. And I've told them you're the only guy to talk to. And they said, you got to meet them tomorrow at 10 30 in the morning. And I said, okay, fine. I, I drive to Fort Lauderdale airport. I meet them. This is before TSA. So you could go right to the gate, meet the guys.
2: The good old and, days.
3: Yeah. And I'm meeting them there. And, uh, so we sit down and they said, well, by the way, uh, you know, nice to meet you. I understand you're the expert in real estate. We really are looking forward to working with you. And I said, great. And they said, well, the marshal told us. That you're the only guy to talk to i said yep that's what he said he told me the same thing they said well how are we going to do this and i said i don't you, you tell me and they said well how about 50 50 you handle all the leasing all the sales all the management and we'll do all the bookkeeping all the money the reporting and i said sounds great and uh they you know it was, it was literally a two-page agreement looked at it read it signed it right there and i said well that's great when are we ready to start they said well, right away and i said well great i said well they said we're going to send you the tape run. I said, great. How many, uh, you know, how many properties are on the tape, run?" He said 640. I was like, holy cheese, I can't even believe. So I went from seven assets to 640. So needless to say, we uh, hired a bunch of, uh, people to help us out during that time. And it really was a great run for five years. And, and, uh, I just remember my wife and I would have to drive around town on Saturdays and Sundays, just to be looking at all the assets. You couldn't get it all done in one week. So, uh, it was, it was a lot of work.
1: So, Michael, your family goes back generations in Miami. What was it like in the early days?
3: Uh, you know, being born and raised here in Miami, I was born in Mercy Hospital. I was adopted through the Catholic Adoption Agency to two great parents, my, my mom and dad, Pat and Pete Faye. My father just passed, by the way, at 92 years old. And, uh, you know, it was really kind of a heady experience, to be honest with you. So it was kind of a double-pronged situation. My dad was a very successful attorney and uh, the sixties went out and started his firm, which was the old Frady's Fayette Floyd. During that time, president Nixon uh, was a close friend of my dad. Why is that? Because he had to teach the Nixon daughters how to water ski back in the mid fifties. So president Nixon knew my dad pretty well and said, Hey, why don't you come over here and uh, help me be the campaign guy for Florida. So my dad became Nixon's campaign guy for Florida and helped him get elected. So during this time, Uh, my dad was also Joe Robbie's attorney. Uh, Joe Robbie was in the process of buying the Miami dolphins. And, uh, so during the time of the Miami dolphins, uh, it was, it was really interesting because they had a group that was going to own, Robbie was going to own 51% and the other group was going to own 49%. And there was going to be made up of three different buy three different people. And at the 11th hour, they walked away. And so my dad basically said, don't worry, I got it. He brought in 10 of his friends. And uh, people that were just titans uh, of Miami, from Earl Smalley to uh, Harper Sibley, uh, the Burke family, Morris Burke, and the Macklemores, the founders of Burger King, were just some of the few. Uh, and it was really an amazing time. So here we are, uh, you know, in the middle of the presidential elections, Miami Dolphins, and it was really a lot of fun. And as a kid, I so as a kid, I would literally be on Key Game with President Nixon sitting there swimming in the pool with the president and Haldeman, Ehrlichman, Dean, the whole crew is there. And my dad's there. And my dad now was appointed as a federal judge in 1970. President uh, Nixon appointed him as a federal judge. Subsequently, uh, President Nixon, um, excuse me, Ford appointed him in 77 to the 11th circuit. But it it was a great time. And the time of the Miami Dolphins, really fun.
1: You guys had a good run, actually. That was like 1973 and 74. They were champions, weren't they?
3: Yep, yeah, and I actually had the Super Bowl ring to prove it. So, that, <laughs> you
2: know,
3: yeah, my dad gave me the Super Bowl ring.
2: Do you ever wear that ring?
3: I do. I do wear it every once in a while. I don't have it on today, but uh, I do. They're have
2: huge, it. right? They're enormous, aren't they? Yeah,
3: it, it's really cool because it was. Uh, it's really well done, very tasteful, and it's got our name on it, Fay, and everything else. Really, really cool.
2: That's very cool. But you know, um, Miami used to be the kind of place where you just. Uh, shoot in for a weekend, you come in Friday nights, you'd leave Sunday. I had a lot of family in Miami for a long time and I was living in New York and I'd, or Boston and during those winter, cold winters, you'd come down on, on Martin Luther King, you'd come down on President's Day, you'd come down on Easter to break up the winter. I live here now since 2014, and it's a whole different environment. I mean, you've seen that change, how Miami's become a real city, or Miami Beach has even become kind of a city. What's that like, and how did that happen? What, what are your comments on that?
3: Well, first of all, the truth be told, I've been married 32 years now, and I married Merritt Stierheim's youngest daughter. Merritt Stierheim has been one of the most unbelievable leaders of uh, Miami, and, and Merritt had really led. Miami through a lot of tumultuous times. Miami really is uh, an unbelievable city of diversity and different cultures. And it's one of the coolest cities, in my opinion, in all the globe, Uh, you know, not only because of its, you know, its uh, geographic position, you know, we're three hours uh, of 30 different countries. So when you start to think about where it is and what it is, even on a time zone component of being able to handle Europe and or Asia, from time zones it's really really great so as time went on miami really has grown and i think everybody is now fully appreciating all those little things that are going on also with the fintech stuff coming in here the cryptocurrency we've got a lot of really neat things that are starting to look forward even again to the future so miami growing up really went from a small town to where everybody knows everybody and by the way it still is that way today i mean there's you, you can do six degrees of separation in Miami. I don't care across every ethnic background, uh, and and somebody's going to know somebody, and and that's what kind of makes it nice. And uh, even with so many people coming in and out, you're somebody's going to know somebody.
1: Funny, it's funny you mentioned cryptocurrency, and I, I yeah I keep on hearing the fact that you need a cool environment. To run those servers, and it's a it's a, the heat is an issue. But then again, you know Miami in the summer. I mean, everyone's trying to leave <laughs> leave Miami because it gets too hot. So I don't know I don't know how those servers are going to survive a Miami summer. <laughs> but I but I get the whole idea. I mean, tech is a big thing. Everyone's coming down here for that. And who doesn't want to be on the beach writing code? the re, The reality of that is, you know, do, are we going to start seeing that? I mean, what's happening in the market right now? Are, we, are people coming down?
3: Well, you got to number. Back in the 40s, air conditioning transformed Florida, so air-conditioning continues to transform, so the servers will just be a little cooler. Uh, the answer is yes, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think there's going to be a continued push of technology coming in. I think there's going to be a push of many other groups coming in from not only New York, but also out in uh, California, Silicon Valley, uh, and, the, and the startups. the the way of life down here we really only have a month of problems and that month is you know september and august and september from not only heat but also hurricanes so you know we're, we're i think everybody learns on how to work through that uh from the cryptocurrency and the fintech miami has always been an unbelievable international banking mecca brickle avenue was the international banking area for years and it still continues to be so as we start to see remember 30 different countries within three hours we're going to see that fintech fits right in and the cryptocurrency fits right in with our history and, and where we are and what we're doing outside of tourism.
1: You know, back in the uh, 1800s, Miami was known as the wilderness that held much promise. And it took a lot of vision for someone to take, you know, to look at a bunch of mangroves and, and see the future of what Miami has become today. You know, what, what, is, what inspired uh, you know, early developers to come in and build on what Miami is.
3: Well, you know, you look at Flagler, Brickle, uh, Merrick, all uh, George Merrick. You look at all these early pioneers, you know, they all saw something. I mean, our, our water is unbelievable from the ocean. And then our ecosystem of the Everglades is unbelievable. We live in truly uh, an echo environment that's unique to it, it. Not I mean, it's unique to anywhere that you go and uh i think when you start to look at the uh, juxtaposition up and down the state and its other natural resources whether it's in uh tourism banking uh, y- you know we have a lot of agricultural uh you know things of that nature and there's been some great books the swamp is a great book if you've never read the swamp a really great book to read about the history uh, y- you know uh, uh Miami Babylon is also another great book. There's some really great books. And of course you want to go to a uh, hotel Scarface. So, you know, there's some really kind of fun. <laughs> so, you know, Miami's got a lot of that going on. So I, 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 as I said, it just, it's going to continue to flourish and we are really on the map today uh, on a global scale.
2: Yeah. There's no doubt that Miami is exploding right now. I, I read Babylon. It was a great book. Um, let's talk COVID for a second. Um, COVID seems to have been um, in some ways beneficial to Miami. Certainly a lot of people in the Northeast have come down here um, to get away from COVID, uh, to find single family homes in the suburbs where their families can be safe, where their kids can play. Uh, It's more of an open state, which has allowed uh, people to come down here and work and the kids to go to school. Um, What's your view of the COVID scenario and what do you think happens after that?
3: Well, you know, it's, it's like a lot of things. First, I think Governor DeSantis has done a wonderful job. Uh, I know the governor uh, and I know him through also m- several other friends uh, and groups. And I think what he did to keep uh, the state open and, or, and and had a real logical way of looking at things, that helped a lot of the other municipalities within Florida do that. And and Miami being one of them, uh, Miami, because it's such a large metropolitan area with a larger population, we had to be a little smarter and what we were doing and you know yes i believe that you know we had to get better at what we were doing especially when with the rising numbers uh so today i'm look i'm fully vaccinated i'm, I'm back in the office and we're working uh we're, we're our office uh is fully working at this point um to answer your question uh specifically i think that we accelerated our growth by about five to ten years it's just like internet sales internet sales were a total of what, 12 to 15% of the internet. Now it's up to 25. That was a 10-year growth. So I think it highlighted you can live, work, and play and have reasonable government, uh, you know, reasonable government on how they handle pandemics and how they govern and taxes. Taxes are a huge situation. Um, You know, infrastructures are are, our hardest thing. Traffic, as you all know, I, I equate it like an ant pile. We're all going in and out of the same hole in the end, end pile. And we're just trying to figure out who's going in and who's coming out. Uh, and it really gets a little crazy. But other than that, you know, we really have got some unbelievable uh, new developments. We're, we are involved in a lot of these major new developments going on and also what's coming on. So it's accelerated that. Uh, one of the funny things, somebody says, listen, we welcome anybody and everybody to Miami. As long as they, if they come from a state with failed politics, to leave that there and to Please come in and enjoy our <laughs> of apartment.
1: You know that's that that's that makes perfect sense. You know. Uh, you know the Miami. I I look at Miami. I used to look at Miami as, as a place like Vegas. It was a destination city. You go there, you arrive on Friday, you leave on Sunday. You ask someone what's Miami like on a Tuesday, and people would scratch their heads and have no idea. But that's changing, right? As you mentioned, people are starting to live here. Families are coming down here. Um, wh- why? And, and I, I hear and I hear you on the on the politics. So, what are some exciting projects that you're involved in that are doubling down on this vision?
3: Well, I think, first of all, you know, a lot of people coming from New York and coming from other areas, they never really realized, as you said, they were here, they were weekend warriors. They were coming in, partying on the weekend, having a great time. And then all of a sudden they're like, man, I can't believe I stayed down here. This is really nice. This is really enjoyable. And by the way, the funny part was, is they lived through the pandemic during last year's summer, and you know that was hot we had some storms so they kind of got a full taste of really what it's like because a lot of times people come in during the winter time and they're like well this is great how bad can it be and uh you know it does get to be it does get to be hot um so you know with with our prevailing winds it's kind of nice we always have a nice breeze um to get onto the, the the projects themselves there's always something new going on and uh we're involved in several deals downtown and uh, the Edgewater area, uh, world center area, you know, uh, the arts district. So we've got so many great little areas of Miami. You've got Midtown, Wynwood, uh, Brickle, you know, South Miami, Doral, you know, all these areas, Coral Gables. These are all really, really special Aventura, special, unique areas. Uh, you no, we've got uh, Miami Gardens with racing coming in here. We've got a great university system up in that area, whether it's University of Miami or St. Thomas University or the colleges. So we've got a lot of really great uh, pieces moving in here, as well as our cruise ship industry. So when you start to think about different projects, each one of those are, are adding in. Um, you know, we were involved in some really great things from Brickell City Center assemblages early on, with Swire, so we were the firm doing that. It was great. Uh, downtown Dayland, uh, doing things with Armando Cadena in the days out of the Dolphin Mall area. Uh, we, we've had our fingers as real estate practitioners, our fingerprints on a lot of really unique projects. And we've got our fingerprints on a couple coming up right now that you'll be hearing about and reading about pretty soon, which are pretty dynamic.
1: You know, it's as a New Yorker, I gotta say, I love Brickell. It just started to look like a mini New York, you know, on the bay. It's it's a it's a nice place where you can just walk uh, to a Starbucks. It has a very walkable vibe. You can ride your bikes, your scooter. You can run around. It's pretty cool. So, I I I applaud for you for and your teams for what you guys have done, you know, in the Brickell area particularly.
3: Well, I want to I want to highlight one other area that's really come on strong, and it's Coconut Grove. And I'm not just saying that because I live at Park Grove, uh, which are the new condominiums uh that were built by uh Tarrant related um the this is that coconut grove is going through a major renaissance and it is so wonderful to get out and walk around it's like a true bohemian sophisticated uh chic little village on the bay and it really is great and, and you know you're 10 minutes from everything there so it really has become really an unbelievable neat little area and so you know again that's another unique situation of miami uh you know if you even talk about You know, Ocho and 8th Street and all the unique communities that we have, uh, you you know, uh, and and where we have, you know, from Little River to, you know, Alapata. all these areas are coming on strong is really unique areas. And and each one of these areas offers a unique experience as well as opportunities, opportunities for real estate investing, opportunities for, uh, you know, just uh, building out certain uh, new businesses.
2: You know, when I was in my 20s, uh, I have cousins, four cousins who have li- been living down here since they were in, in their college years. They all grew up in Brazil as I did, and their family moved to Miami. And they used to live in Coral Gables right across from the Bacardi home on Maynada. You probably know that area. Yes. And in those days, <clears throat> you drove into Coconut Grove and uh, you went to the Mutiny Club or you hung out at the Mayfair Hotel. I mean, were you around that area in those days? Where did you hang out when you were younger?
3: Well, it was, you know, back in my days, it was Village Inn, Mutiny, Biscayne Baby, uh, all the fun nightclubs, and, and Fire and Ice was, well, that was more than Design District. By the way, Design District was falling apart back then. Foreclosures were happening, and it was really interesting. Uh, so, you know, the, Miami, you know, especially in the recording business, there was a lot of music that was recorded. I mean, the Eagles recorded their uh, their top album down here in the day. And, of course, you had bands, you know, rock bands like Pat Travers and Aerosmith and all the bands that would come down here and do this. But Coconut Grove was that area. So Coconut Grove had a really cool music scene back at that time as well. But we've lost a we've lost a lot of the music scene, uh, in my opinion. That's one of the things that I really I I really did, you know, if that's something that we could figure out how to bring back a good music scene, uh, you know, from all genres of music, that'd be great.
2: Well, you know, uh, I spent some time being an actor. Well, I guess I should say trying to be an actor. Uh, and one of the things that, that Florida has lost is that industry because of the subsidies, right? And I, I, there are two sides to that argument. But when Georgia raised their hand, now Georgia has 35 TV shows filmed there. Miami has none. And Miami has everything Georgia has on, by the way, an ocean. So yeah. do you see anything like that would be maybe that would help uh, the entertainment industry?
3: Well, you know the entertainment industry is kind of interesting. My son, uh, who's 23 and just bought his first house, he's he's a super unique young man, and my daughter as well, who's also one of the social media influencers that you read about and hear about. He's very involved uh, with you know like ASAP Ferg, ASAP Rocky, Future, uh, Pharrell. He's involved with these uh, these people uh, and helping in the creative design. So there is a music industry starting to come back, and and it really is dear. So, you know, when you think about, you know, uh, you know, different groups uh, of, of, of music, uh, of, of just different people because of the influx of, from L.A. and New York, you know, we're starting to see that. I think that we will do that. Um, one of the interesting things is we're selling a, a, a former nightclub. It's, it's known as Treehouse right now. Uh, but it was it was one of the really up and coming nightclubs that did really, really well. And of course. He by the way, that seller will accept Bitcoin, one of the first in the country. Just <laughs> to, I like to highlight that. But my point being is is the entertainment and the and the industry is starting to come on and they're starting to look for other venues. And we have some really creative people coming into town right now and really looking at how to make that happen.
2: So uh, Alex lives in Miami. I live in Miami Beach. And for the listeners who don't know, those are two separate cities. Um when i was younger miami beach you'd you'd slip into the china grill or i think it was called the standard I forget what that lounge was on washington there were only two or three places it was a little dangerous even to go elsewhere you think of the the view you saw from miami vice the tv show do you have any thoughts on miami beach and where we're going there
3: well it's interesting i used to surf uh south of fifth where the dog where the dog track was there before contendium was there so i remember there was a full jetty that went out in the water. Now I'm not talking about the jetty that goes and separates the uh, the actual port of Miami. I'm talking about a real jetty you walk out on. It's like a bridge out in the water. Um, you know, it's funny, Miami Beach has been resilient over the so many years, and so many things have happened over the years, and it continues to transform. I think, I think, again, the city fathers have done a great job. The mayor's done a great job, and, and you know, it's a continual thing of trying to understand, one, who your clientele is as a tourist, who your clientele is as a resident, and then who who are the businesses to help support all those different uh, people that are coming in, and you know for different things. So there's always the restaurants. So there, if you think about it, south of Fifth, they had some of the top grocery restaurants in the world. Just south of Fifth, including Joe's and uh, back, at, you know, was uh, Smith and Lewinsky's, a uh, Prime One Twelve. I mean, just to name a few, and uh, there's a lot of others that are continuing to so you start to see a real recognition of what Miami Beach is doing. And if you look, the beach is really interesting because you really has the beach. You've got South Beach, Mid Beach, and then you've got kind of North Beach, Aventura, Sunny Isles, by the way, one of my uh, close friends, uh, Mayor Bud Scholl is one of my close friends. uh, So he's the mayor of Sunny Isles. So look what Sunny Isles has done. Sunny Isles has increased dramatically and it's been, you know, a lot of condos and things of that nature. and, And they, they went that route. But then you look at, where the Four Seasons is, uh, you know, 90th and, and that uh, Surfside area. Really, really unique areas. So each area is kind of unique. And it's very, it's very similar to Miami. I mean, uh, on the mainland, you know, you've know, you got Brickle, you've got Wynwood, you've got uh, North Miami, you've got Coral Gables, Aventura, Homestead, Florida City, Kendall. You know, have all these other municipalities that are all, you know, unique living experiences across South Florida.
2: So... All this sounds tremendous, uh, the growth opportunity, uh, the type, the quality of people coming down here, the, the development of the companies, the things that you at Avison and, and others are doing. You mentioned one of the problems, which is traffic. And God knows, being a Miami Beach, getting to and from Miami, going over the causeway can be a nightmare. Uh, aside from traffic, what else do you see as a potential problem or hindrance to the type of growth that we're seeing and we want to see in the future Miami?
3: Well, i think affordable housing always is a continuation of an issue uh you know affordable housing in my opinion depending on where you are and what you're doing uh you know whether you're school teachers firefighters police you know you, you really are trying to figure out you know what to do now a lot of people also want to live in a home right so not necessarily a, a multi-story apartment building or a condo so i think that is something that's there education is another big issue for us is and, and I say education from a standpoint of being able to maintain and keep our students that are here. So it's a very unique issue, in my opinion. Everybody will come here and go to University of Miami or they'll go to the higher education areas, but then they're gone. They leave and they go other areas. So I think bringing in, you know, uh, our keeping our students and keeping our educated folks that are here that really appreciate Miami it's funny. We've had a lot of friends that have gone to New York, and they, they, they the big deal was go to New York and get on Wall Street. They're all like, "Man, I can't wait to get back to Miami." It's going to become the Wall Street of the South. Now I don't know about that, but still, <laughs> it's a, uh, it, it's a great thought. I like that thought, and I think that you know, with the financial firms that are coming in here. One side note: if you look at all the financial firms that are looking here from Miami to Palm Beach, you know, you look at a lot of the hedge funds, the private equity firms. Uh, Some of the other larger uh, financial institutions are looking to be in South Florida. And again, that's Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach. And uh, again, it, it lends credence to the massive shift that's going on.
1: Yeah, so if you've got creative folks and you've got financial folks coming to Miami, that's a recipe for amazing things to happen. So you mentioned, I, I love how you you painted the picture of this mosaic of different parts of Miami, um, the mainland, and the beach. Uh, there's Alapada, and we know how that's been growing with Rubel Gallery, uh, and in sort of purchasing a lot of real estate, which, by the way, I would have coined the phrase "meat pa- uh, fruit packing district." That's <laughs> just just saying. Um, it's okay, there. yeah, it's there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So let's walk walk us into the future for a moment, and and tell us like where, if if you were to predict five, you know, maybe ten years from now, where would you expect to see Miami going, and what what does it look like?
3: Uh, I think it's going to be much more sophisticated in some ways, but a continued relaxed sophistication. So I think, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, a little more amped up, you know, because of the expediency of things. I mean, I tell everybody right now uh, with all of my young, uh, young folks that I uh, mentor, it, it's always about relationship skill building, a sense of urgency and critical thinking. And I think all three of those things are going to be Miami. And, and, and it's going to have an international flair that w- will not be seen anywhere else. Because, again, remember, we, we're pulling in from Europe, Spain, uh, you know, Canada, Asia, uh, all over, and all the Latin American, Central America, and Caribbean basin. You know, we're pulling in from a lot of areas that are just, as I said, so unique. So three hours to 30 countries. Uh, my best friend is the chief pilot for American Airlines. And he just says, Mike, it's amazing to see the amount of travelers that want to be here and that will still come through here and they can get on a plane and pretty much be anywhere. You know, think about three hours where you could be from Miami, anywhere in the U S within three hours as
2: well. Well, Michael, this has been a terrific show and a terrific vision of Miami from you. Uh, What your family, going back generations, what you have done, what your company has done uh, to help improve uh, the growth in Miami, the future of Miami has been terrific. Uh, Your thoughts about where we're going from here have been uh, very interesting. And we just want to thank you very much for having taken the time and coming on and giving us your thoughts.
3: My pleasure. It's been a real honor. You guys are great. Thanks for such great questions. It brings back some great memories. So thanks again.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Michael.
3: Thank you.
2: You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co, and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week.